The following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. Welcome to Metagamers Anonymous, a program dedicated to tabletop role-playing games and mostly related material and presentation of Prismatic Tsunami. My name is Eric. I'm Rich. I'm Vanessa. And I'm the kid. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what episode number this is without looking, so we're going to pretend I did. Today we're going to talk about dragons. It's kind of a thing. Dragons! They're a thing. They're, they're, there's a lot of recent dragon stuff going on because uh, the, the D&D people released the Fizzbands book. Treasury oh, of Dragons. I'm actually going to have to get a yeah, D&D yeah, yeah. book. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you know, have you ever seen them? Yeah, have you ever actually seen a D and D book? Just curious. Yeah. Okay. It's just I, I have a lot of three point five books. I have like thirty three point five books. Oh, that's right. It was a previous edition. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's not that. It's that you actually play played play. Do you still guys? Do you guys still play three? We, we're on like a hiatus because one of our players has been out of town. That's what. So it it's is. like three months of not playing, but we're, the and campaign is still going. But it's three five. Yes. Oh, weird. Okay. <laughs> I used to have every single book from the current edition, but that was first edition. Um, that didn't take a lot in first edition. <laughs> it was... didn't, and they were all mostly soft book and stapled. Uh, well, if you had every single book, like all the modules and stuff, that was a lot. Right. I had a number of the modules. I but think. the hardbacks were all. I probably had all the modules at that point. Did you the, really call the modules for basic. books back then? They were um, more like folders. The, <laughs> the actual playbooks They're like were like thirty-two pages. <laughs> but the but the the handbooks were like the AD and D handbooks. The advanced under the first edition were orange spine hardbacks. I remember the AD and D ones too, and they were like. I've got an ADD book. I've just never done anything with it. There are like 10 of them, I think. Because I had to switch over when I went to a gaming group that was on AD&D instead of regular D&D. And they weren't spying one of the original editions of those. The original releases had, you know, different covers, their own covers. And some I've got, like, I think an original Dungeon Master's Guide still that has the Afridi on the cover and the City of Brass on the back. But uh, it, none of the others. I don't think I have any of those. I used to have a D&D and Demigods with Cthulhu's mythos in it. Oh, yeah, the old uh, original one. <laughs> the Forboten version. Yeah, nice. But I, I don't even know for certain, kid. I mean, I know we talked about your original group and stuff before we met when you were in, like, mm-hmm. were you in high school? California, yep, high school. Yeah. And uh, But I don't really know much about how you got into it because you were in a family environment where that wasn't an option. No, uh, I actually first discovered Dungeons & Dragons when my parents got me the red box set for my birthday. Oh, so they got you originally. It's and then a month later, they came and took it away from me and burned it because they had learned that it was uh, Evil. produced by Satan, Yeah, yeah which yeah. was kind of a problem in a Christian household. So. But Satan had already gotten a hold of you at that point? It was and too it was, late? <laughs> yeah, far too late. The damage was already done. Um, mm. He was a co-producer on the original box set, though. I remember his name. Uh, yeah, he was in the, in the credits, I'm pretty sure. That's um, why it was red, right? I think so. Well, the original box was. The original, original D&D Oh, the original. I got the red. I wouldn't actually get to play the game with other people because I you know, had done the little starter solo thing in the box set. But I wouldn't get to get, play the game with other people until we moved from Wyoming to California and uh, I ran into players at school there. Right. Were they playing the same version? Curious about that. Do you uh, remember? No, I'm were they playing sure like it was AD&D? advanced? Yeah, advanced. Because they because you're talking about the they call it BECMI the because they were like mm-hmm. the five box sets you had to buy the to get basic. all the way to 36 level and beyond. Right. 
because the, the basic book was just like levels one to three. Yes. And then you had to have like the expert rules for levels four to seven of your characters. You had to have like that the companion so rules, then the master <laughs> rules. And then the master rules would get you up to like 36. And then you had to have the immortal set to play characters. It was like kind of like an, a I version of epic the characters. Day I bought oh. my immortal set. I was so happy. The gold, that goldy box, and goldish kind of box. I never got to read or play with any of the material from any of those other box sets, which was very disappointing. I actually never got, I didn't get all of them. I had, um, I think I had a copy. I know I had a copy of the first three boxes. But well before I got to that point, I'd started playing like you. I'd started playing first edition with another group. Because I, I got started, uh, <laughs> it's funny, I can remember the first time I heard the term. I was in uh, third grade, and I was on, like, it was it was outside the doors of a school waiting to get in, waiting for the school to open, you know, elementary school, and they, they had a certain time when they would open the doors, and there's a bunch of us kids kind of stacked outside, maybe about 20 kids or so, and some kids nearby were talking about D&D, and talking it up a little bit, and I'm like, sitting here going, I wonder what that is, but I was shy enough as a kid, I didn't broach it or, or ask or anything, I just listened to them talking about it, and it sounded, you know, interesting and weird and it was a couple months later when it turned out a kid on my block who was a uh i was like i said i was a third grade he was a sixth grader i think you know and had one of those weird moments i think i mentioned on the show he had one of those weird moments where he felt like he wanted to run a game for younger kids in the neighborhood which he remembered obviously an hour later why you don't do that and uh, <laughs> so uh, after that first taste i pestered him constantly um until he started <laughs> avoiding me for the next couple months, really, actually, it just it was always, always, I want to do more of that. You know, I, I've, I've had my first snort. Now I need more. You, first you taste can't is cut free. me off now. <laughs> you know, uh, if, I, if I'd known a way to pay for it, I might have. <laughs> so uh, I got into it that way. And I only remember the funny dice. And he had books and stuff, but we never cracked any of them open. He just had me write stuff down on, you know, a piece of paper. Like, I remember, I don't even remember oh. anything about the stats. I remember the gear that I had to carry and... <laughs> He no drew a map while we were sitting there. He drew a map of the realm. You know, oh, that's like cool. The, the mountains of doom and the forest of doom and the castle of doom. I don't know what he called them. But all had evocative of doom kind of names. And uh, that was my first taste, right? I mean, that was that was my first adventure. I played an elf, you know. And then, like, uh, after he finally started avoiding me for the next summer, my mom found a copy of the uh, box set, uh, the, the, the basic one that uh, Kid was talking about, at a garage sale. And, uh, and some older stuff, too. And she bought a couple things. And uh, then before she gave them to me, by then the satanic panic was starting. So before she gave, because this would have been 83-ish. And she went ahead and uh, did a little research first, she said. That's what she told me. I don't know what exactly that meant, but because I, I never asked her. I never thought to ask when I was young what that meant. But you, she did you just get on the World Wide Web and look it up, yeah, right? Yeah, looked it up on the internet. Yes, looked up on the internet in 1983. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> very, very advanced and ahead of her time, my mom. And uh, <laughs> you, you believe it, right? You know her. I, I did. <laughs> I do. And uh, she's she, she decided, you know, um, nothing like wrong here. But my parents were also big sci-fi fantasy freaks. Right. Uh, that was the same year. I remember, and it kind of ties into the topic anyway. I remember uh, that year I was, I came in from playing or something. I came in and my dad was watching the Rankin and Bass Hobbit movie. Which was released in the seventies, you know, so it, was, it wasn't new or anything. It was on cable, and we were sitting there. I sat, I sat there and started watching it with him, and it was well into the movie. I remember watching the smog scene and just kind of being blown away by this cartoon, you know. And, and this was the same year the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon came out as a Saturday morning cartoon. I mean, it's always happening around the same time for me, and uh, I I just became absolutely fascinated. And of course, the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, very first episode, you meet Tiamat. 
Right. She shows up because Vin- she's in Vinger's basement. I don't. I don't understand that. But I mean, now it doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> at the time, and you know, Tiamat showed up and you attacked her. <laughs> Another thing that didn't make much sense in retrospect. And you know, they were all obviously thirtieth level people. You know, try from that in Earth. my game. See what it gets you. <laughs> wow. Uh, that became kind of a motto for me in Dragons, didn't it? Isn't yes. Tiamat yes, the five-headed dragon? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. That, I was just making sure I was thinking of the right thing. Yeah, Tiamat, is, is, she's basically a dragon the goddess. of all chromatic yeah. dragons. Yeah. So and so pretty. Go. <laughs> gorgeous. Um, at least a gorgeous miniature, it's I'm true. sure. Depends on how she's painted. Um, the ones that I have seen are painted beautifully, and I love it. So you haven't seen the one that I saw that had the plaid head on it, for example. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God, why would someone do that? Wait, I what is a plaid dragon shoot? <laughs> misfortune? You don't want to know. <laughs> cone of misfortune. <laughs> oh, my. A, c- a cone of despair. Cone of cold dampness. 90s is a symbol of, is, uh, plaid is the symbol of 90s... Um, what is that term where they you know, nobody gave a shit anymore completely? You know, we're all fucking morose. Right. It's, 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 Morphia. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that, that's, that's it. Yeah, apathy. apathy. It shoots apathy. <laughs> oh, gosh. That sounds depressing. <laughs> Actually, it sounds kind of effective. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, no one will attack you if they don't care. All right, to. you failed your save. What do you do? I don't care. <laughs> Time to draw my dragon. <laughs> I'm done. So good. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, was it um, okay? So I never really encountered the concept of uh, despair as a powerful weapon until uh, Fred Saberhagen's books of swords. Oh, book remember that? Lord, yes. Was it? It wasn't the mind sword, right? It was no, literally it called was the soul cutter. Despair. Soul cutter. The uh, the sword, the sword of, of despair. despair. And this thing came out, and everybody around just stopped caring about anything. And it was just like, my he God, described it as effective. this wave, this ripple across the battlefield of everyone just dropping their weapons and then laying down, falling to their knees, and then just keeling over and just laying there. No need to fight. So Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy got you. <laughs> Don't panic. Um, let's uh, Don't do anything. Oh, so I, I want to say Marvin gets the gun thing. He shoots. Everybody falls down. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I want. <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> Wasn't uh, it Marvin? Wasn't that his name? The, the robot? The, yes. Robot. Yeah. Okay. The depressed robot, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I remember something. Who was voiced in that most recent movie by... Um, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman, the late Alan Rickman. Yeah. But was originally voiced by the guy wearing the outfit who was Warwick Davis. And Seriously. They, they changed the voice out because Rickman did a better depressed robot, apparently. I mean, Rickman... He, yeah. he does yeah. a good <laughs> depressed robot. <laughs> it's hard to argue that, but I feel kind of bad for Warwick Davis because I love him. He's Willow. I know. I was going to say, Warwick Davis is awesome. He's but Alan Rickman. Very talented. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, neither here nor there. We do a movie cast. You should check it out. Exposition Street. Uh, <laughs> it's on a different channel. So, so that that very year, I got into I got into D and D, and I, I I got the box and stuff. But I didn't have friends. That was my problem when I was a kid. I was you like, too. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Wow. They were neighborhood kids, but I didn't really connect a lot, and they weren't interested. You know, uh, so I ended up connecting later on with uh, like I was hanging out with one of my with my dad and one of his friends. You know, and here I am. I want to say this is like the summer between my fourth and fifth grade year or something. So I'd, I'm I'm hanging out with them, 
And my dad's friend sees that I've got this box set, the red box, and goes, hey, I used to play that. I've got that. I've got a copy of that. And it was cool because actually my box set from a garage sale was missing like the pullout from the middle of the player's book that had the character sheet on it. Oh, no. So the only character sheet I had was they had one on the back of the book as well. It was a fo- that was like both sides of it on one page, so it was kind of small. So the only characters they had were photocopies of that. So this was a full-size page. Oh, nice. And he had a copy of it that he gave me. And then he's like, at some point, he's like talking to another one of his coworkers. My dad was their boss at the cable television there. We lived in Eldorado at the time. And he started talking to one of his coworkers, and his coworker was like, well, I used to run games when I was in the Army a few years ago. And I was like, oh, oh, really? Okay, cool. <laughs> so they're like, well, why don't we run some games? And the, the local office, the, their office manager, she got in on it, and the, the, the game master's wife, and they're like, they better invite the kid that got this whole thing going, I guess. And so I got <laughs> to game with them. Then my mom joined. and So for years, I played D&D with my parents. And like a year or two after I started game with them, I started running all the games. You know, it just was like, whatever. Transition. It was, it was crazy cool. Again, I'm if you always hooked. want to make sure you have a game, make sure you're the one running it. That was actually kind of the policy. And because at that point I was heading into middle school and started actually making friends, I wanted to be able to play more. So I got people, I gathered people that would actually play. Not a, not very many. I only had a couple of friends in middle school, but, you know, would actually play D&D with me. And it was great. That's what it is. Part of my problem with if you always want a game, you have to be the one running it is most of my ideas for any sort of campaign world involve either fairy tales or some weird mishmash of mythology. And I don't know how many players I would actually be able to find that would want to do that in a long term basis. Um, Sign me up. I'm kind of down. Yeah. <laughs> now, on my end, I was on I've vacation. I've been talking to the wrong people. <laughs> yeah, you have. And my mother brought my, bought my brother and I the red box. And we started exploring it, and we played around with it, but we didn't get very far with just the two of us really into it. I mean, I colored the dye in with the crayon. I mean, yeah. I did that. Oh part. yeah, those um, the blue, the 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 pale blue dice that had like the numbers were you had to fill them in. Yeah, they, they included a white crayon in the box. Yeah, I've seen them. Have you seen that? Yeah. yeah. You, you, you know what was really, and then you wipe off the excess. I think you know what was, was really yellow. cool about those dice was yours yellow. Um, if you threw them at something really hard, they would explode. Explode. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. God. Because. It's because of the plastic. But anyways, so I did that, and, and um, I think my face. uncle showed concern at the game. I can't remember that or not. So what ended up happening is I was still collecting these books for the basic series. There was a uh, announcement somewhere that they were doing a gaming group at the place I went to elementary at and on, on evenings. Like board games or something? No, role play games. Really? They were playing Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. You know what year this is by chance? Roughly? God, it's 80s, early 80s. Because it just seems so unlikely it's right in, in there. Well, we had a very aggressive gaming group. And, and so... And, and so did I, but we they were just murder hobos. <laughs> Anyways, we didn't care. We weren't small town. Okay. Would, um, be and we weren't big town, so we right. didn't have people actively that chasing us. And we didn't have people misin- misunderstood it. We, <laughs> so anyways, so this group, uh, which right right from the bet, I'm, I'm in this gaming group. I'm a kid. I go there. I pay my quarter every time to play. We all sit and play, and I play a, a character, and I had to learn Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. I had to figure out the whole two-dimensional uh, alignment, alignment system, <laughs> which took me a while to figure out. But uh, I played with them doing that, but I still kept getting the basic series because I loved reading the stats and the way the character growth went in that because I thought it was a simpler system. Yeah, it was. Yeah. My One of my happiest days in my youth was when they came out with the uh, the 
it starts with a C, whatever the book was. Companion. Had, the Companion that had all of them in it and added the monk class. And, and the Paladin and the Druid. So thrilled. Yep. And I loved that monk. That monk class blew my mind. But yeah, I had the Immortal set. I had all those other box sets. I played AD&D with that group. And then I kind of got away from it for a little bit. And then I had an opportunity to play D&D again. Started playing with a group, a different group. Uh, and that's where... And even in the other group, there were a lot of women in that group. In in the group I got into, there were a lot of women, a lot of women uh, DMs. Otherwise, um, husbands and wives played in this group together. That's so weird. You had mm-hmm. groups with lots of women in the in the eighties. No, it, it was. It um, was. And I, I, I was blessed. Anyways, uh, and my mom supported the whole thing because she, she's sci-fi and gaming. You know, she raised me on Star Trek and board games. And <laughs> so in this other group, I, I get, I'm get to be a regular in this group. And at one point, I get a hold of, because I'm the president, I get a hold of the old papers. And I find the old sign-in sheets from the early 80s. And I find where I signed in several weeks because I was playing D&D with this group <laughs> in the school cafeteria at that point. And now we're in this person's home instead because it was just easier. They weren't taking up six tables anymore. They were just taking up just one know, table two tables. Or, they had a table upstairs and a table downstairs for D&D. Cool. That's awesome, um, but yeah, that's how that's how I got into all that, and they started running a convention where they did a twenty four hour marathon, and then they was that still in the eighties or that in the nineties? That was in the nineties. Second edition, wasn't it? You talked and about that before. We yeah. we 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 waited two years, I think, to switch to second edition because we had a lot of people still interested in first and a lot of people dragging. Well, and we finally did the switch over. I can't criticize that. <laughs> <laughs> Kid might remember when he started game with me. We were I was I was a, a holdout. I was it was nineteen ninety two and I was still first edition and second edition been out for four years at that point. And but I that just was, wouldn't that was still the thing. We had a lot of great sponsors for the conventions. Mm-hmm. But TSR wouldn't sponsor us because we did a twenty four hour marathon and we scored everybody. You pay, you play. Yeah. And they would only sponsor double elimination Dungeons and Dragons. Interesting. How because do you do double elimination Dungeons and Dragons? The the top tier go on, the bottom tier drop out. There's and then a scoring. They do There's that a scoring again. system. There's for... a scoring system. Okay. And we still had a scoring system. <laughs> you use a tournament module. You just continued to play whether or not you were scoring well. You still got to experience our dungeons, and they were not easy. Now we I helped devise to... many okay. of the traps, if you can imagine. I was going to say, now we refer to the scoring system as XP. If... If you, Fair. if not really, no. but if you have, because there were other things about cooperation, stuff like that. But, but that's where we got into the whole thing where before the game, you would write down a whole bunch of rolls of D20s and, you know, D6s, D-whatevers, and you would just roll randomly them, use them right there. So we wouldn't have to, so if we had to do a secret check, you just cross off the check. And the no, great thing about lines. first and second edition is it a 20-sided die, sometimes you need it to be high, sometimes you need it to be low. So That's if true. you made all your rolls high, you were going to screw yourself if you need to pass a save. That's true. Because saves had to be low. Well, saves had to be high. Ability checks had to be low. It was the other way. Sorry, yeah. I forgot it's, because ACs weird. changed so much over yeah, the years. Yeah, and AC used to Thacko, go down. Used to start no. at 10 and go down. If only yeah. it were like that now. Uh, no, I, I like it. I like the changes they made because they made everything more streamlined. Yeah, AC on the it Tuesday night better. game is really low. I'd be okay if it had to count down. <laughs> well, it's I need still to like, do something yeah, to fix that. No, but but your AC is in, so your AC of eleven would actually still be. Terrible. I was going to say your yeah. AC would have been horrible under that system because Fair. if it's over eleven, it's you're worse than naked. Fair. 
we're actually more vulnerable. Because started at ten and went down. Fair. Nice. But that's yeah. that's how I got into it. My parents Why are were you always supporting. Oh, Phoenix doesn't go anywhere in the near the front of the party. She hardly ever gets heard. In in the same game <laughs> because group. Because in the that group, when two people died, I was the only other one that was close to death. That's fair. because I got run on. Yeah, but you in, always die. in that same game group years later. They the one of the people that runs the gaming group had a Star Trek, I think, 20th anniversary watch party or something mm-hmm. like that. And uh, I drug my mom to the party because she loves Star Trek. She raised me on Star Trek. Uh, and she ended up connecting with one of the other guys I gamed with. And they are still married to this day. That's crazy. <laughs> so mom, mom still has D&D played at her house, even though I'm not there. That's funny. Beautiful. Love it. <laughs> she doesn't play, though. No, she just never really got, never into, got into that. It. She would have enjoyed the math part of it. I don't know what got, I'm, other than the, just like I we, said, that love for fantasy and science we were talking fiction about my parents liked. My actual father and my mother, when they used to play board games back in the past, they had a copy of Clue where they added three rooms, uh, four weapons, and <laughs> just made it more complicated. They were modding rules back then. They modded, they modded Clue. To hey, I modded the hell out of Monopoly when I was a kid. Um, so we used uh, Hot Wheels. <laughs> I was I was a I was a little frustrated. Yeah. Okay, now I want to use Hot Wheels to play Car Wars. Um, I uh, I modded Lego. Um, but uh, but yeah, I was actually disappointed when I got my first clue set and there wasn't a wine bottle and it is a weapon. Right. Let me rephrase that. I turned Legos into a role-playing game, a strategic role-playing game at that. Not surprising at all. And yeah, it was that's, fun. That's pretty I bet much it was tactics-based. It was. Actually. Just a tad. I spent more time with my uh, Star Wars uh, droid factory. When I when I met Kid, you weren't playing D&D. That's you true. were doing other stuff. You were playing. Like, you were running like Torg games at the, the school or something like that mm-hmm. and playing like uh, MechWarrior or something. In fact, uh, MechWarrior was the, well, Battletech actually was the game that got me back into D&D. Because the group of friends I met in California that were playing Battletech in the uh, conference room during lunch, they started mixing it up our second semester and started doing some Steve Jackson uh, GURP stuff. And then yeah. finally, it came all the way back around to Dungeons and Dragons. I hear he has elephantitis of the ego. That's what I'm told. <laughs> yeah. And I don't find it surprising. That was, by the way, a reference to our other podcast, explorers, guys. Not an actual the Explorers <laughs> episode. Yeah, Not an actual Steve Jackson. Steve Jackson games. That's or funny. Steve Jackson. That's funny. The. Guy who created Steve Jackson games. Yeah, I think he did. That sounds that's that tracks. Is Maybe he does have elephantitis of the ego. <laughs> yes. He should. <laughs> it is still is what or so Battle Battletech. Tech. Battle tech. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I vaguely yeah. remember seeing forms. it somewhere. It's it's had it's had uh, various forms of it. It's had there mm-hmm. been like video games and stuff. Battletech's yep. been a, a thing for a while. The uh we all love role playing version was Mech Warrior. Mm-hmm. And which you mean by what you mean by that is the role playing version as that's where you focused on the characters. The pilots as opposed to the mechs. Rather than the the battle game. That's correct. Which was like a miniatures game, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, it still is. I loved it. (laughs) I've never played it. I never played Battletech. I've never played MechWarrior either. I never have either, but I've seen it in the games, the miniatures for it. Top Secret SI, uh, Freelancers was the supplement we played, was the first game that wasn't D&D that I played. Really? Oh, that's interesting. I also once ran a a game of Cyborg Commando. I remember you telling um, Gary Gygax about that, actually. Actually, <laughs> it was like you're one of the three people. <laughs> yeah, this, this is great. It's so funny. Uh, so yeah, I I really felt like uh, you, when we got you into playing D anD D with us, there was that that moment of kind of like, oh, that again, you know, and right. kind of adapting. But it had been a while. But you brought a very different style of game. Well, to the table. I came from a very different style of game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 
I, I had not ever played any of the classic dungeons or modules. And in fact, uh, there were so few dungeons in my Dungeons and Dragons that I didn't remember that word was part of the title. The D&D, I knew one of them was dragons, but I could not for the life of me tell you what the other D stood for. Double dragons. Dragons. More dragons. <laughs> yes. But there's rarely dragons. And even then, I would have said it was dragon because in the campaign world we played in, there was one. Right. The dragon. That's fair. Dragons so, were meant to be big. Dragons? Of course, there was one yeah. griffin. There was one minotaur. You, you were even minotaur? even a young dragon yes. could wipe out a I've young never party. Heard it that way. Minotaur. Yes. Okay. I was <laughs> so fascinated. The island of Ma- uh, Minos is where the minotaur came from. So. I've never I was heard it so fascinated with uh, with with dragons that when I heard about D anD D, it was one of the things that pulled me in. Yeah. You know, I, I was definitely taken with, with like I said, Smaug was an early example for it me. It was in terms the dragon like that got actual, me to buy the box set. But, but the dragons that I would see in pictures or hear about in stories were monsters. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, they, were a, they were a threat. The St. George and the Dragon problem, right? They were, you know, a creature that needed to be slain before it could eat all the sheep or the people or whatever. You know, that was a very different kind of concept than, say, Smaug, who talked. He was intelligent. He was evil. He was greedy. You know, he had these these layers to him that made him a far more dynamic opponent than simply being so badass that you were an overgrown you know, fire breathing lizard. Which you know, and, right. and the movies like Dragon Slayer, mm-hmm. um, the which we, we ought to do on the show someday. Yeah, it was it was it's oh, on the list. Yeah, was terrible. You love it. Uh, the uh, <laughs> hey, they put painstaking really time and effort into those effects. Oh yeah, I'm sure they I did. had the production frame by frame. Dragon Slayer, I actually think I've seen before, but it's been a really long time, and I couldn't tell you anything about it other than the fact that there's a dragon. Stars the dude who was in, um, who played uh, Ghostbusters 2, played um, the the guy who ran the museum. Um, uh, uh, yeah, no, I, whatever his name was. I can't yeah, remember. I know who you're talking about. I couldn't tell you his I'm name. I'm horrible with names. But oh the concept, my. when put to me that way, really really spoke to me. And so when I started playing D&D and I had stats for him and everything, I've always, ever since day one, I've always ran dragons as an intelligent, capable threat. They should be, and I mean, and their their intelligence and their cunning varies by species, you know, in D and age and age. Of I was course, always experience. fascinated by brass dragons, but I really feel like if I hadn't had that in my head from the beginning, it probably would have tainted the entire experience I had going forward and never would have been quite what it is now. And then, of course, when I was in, in I think, middle school was when, like, the Dragonlance books started coming out and you had all that, you know. And suddenly the, dragons were cool with, again. It was, it was interesting. Well, you know, D&D-related books, whatever, right. you know, novels. <laughs> dragons have always been cool. Yeah, pretty much. I have a lot of dragons. That's I collect like dragons. dragons. Do you? Yeah. Do you? I have a glass I, case I have of dragons. Af- <laughs> I, you That's do. Awesome. Yeah. I have an affinity for a dragon whose primary attack is to engage you in a conversation for 100 years. I like that. I like that. Is that a breath <laughs> You weapon? will die before it's done. <laughs> Technically, it is. <laughs> do, you, do you fail a single save and that's it? You're done? No, <laughs> if you, you make, have to talk if you to make it, forever. you only take half damage. Um, <laughs> how did you, you get into gaming? How did I get into gaming? Yeah. That's an interesting question because my parents were super against it because I was born in the midst of satanic panic. Yes. Oh, so mm. I didn't actually There's get into... There's a lot into... of satanic panic in that hospital. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> actually didn't get into gaming until I was in college. And the way that I came into it was I happened to go to the student union when the gaming group was watching Big Trouble in Little China. And I just happened to sit down and watch Big Trouble in Little China with them Hell because yeah. I love that movie. That is... <laughs> 
Legit. I like that. <laughs> and they said, you know what? You liked this so much. We do gaming on Friday nights. And then I started gaming on Friday nights. It started out with board games and they were roped me into some one shots, but I didn't one actually do us. a campaign until I came back to Wichita with our mutual friend in Winfield. And he was ah, my yes. first like our DM. mutual friend in Winfield. <laughs> was he really? Shall yeah. rename so, okay. But you played D&D before. <laughs> I had played one shots, but he was the first. But there were Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah. You still started D&D? Yeah. Oh, I was just curious because that wouldn't necessarily have had to have been the case. Yeah. You yeah. know, as recently as you got into it because yeah. there's a lot of other RPGs out there to love. And not your first love at this point, yeah. I think. You know, because no. you run a lot of Savage Worlds. I like Savage which Worlds. Which is badass. I really <laughs> like to, Savage Worlds. Nothing bad to say there. You're the one that brought me into Savage Worlds, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did that. I did that. <laughs> we love it when the dice explode. Like but back in the old days when the, you used to throw them in the ground and they exploded. The joke there is the friend that she's talking about was one of my gamers uh, in high school. Yes. Before I met you. A couple I years remember you I met introduced you. me to him once. Yeah, you met him once. Yeah. Happy chocolate lemon guy. Yes. <laughs> that is such a strange and weird story that I want to keep our listeners from knowing anything about it. <laughs> Fair enough. But I want okay. to know more at some point. <laughs> Obviously, also an embarrassing one, and and he he gamed with me for a few years, actually a couple a couple years, uh, maybe a year and a half, and uh, that was a really interesting time for me. I was really kind of learning. I, I was taking new steps as a dungeon master. I was exploring uh, how far I could push things and and help. I was I was first for the first time really understanding group dynamics, and I, I had to do a lot of that in high school because you deal with a lot of social sort of friction in high school, and so I'd have people that came into my game who I did not connect with right. And so uh, they wouldn't last. You Get know? those weird funks. Yep. You'd have one or two sessions and that person would never show up again, which at the time, I remember it originally irritated the piss out of me. And then I eventually kind of got over it because I realized I didn't want to hang out with that person anyway, which was the entire point. Rather you know? have the person not come back than have someone play at my table who is not having a good time and does not want to be there. My, uh, my Saturday group or, had a few of those kind of fit in and out. And we finally got a good group that's been standard for years at this point. <laughs> the worst version of that that I ran into was the person who is having a great time at the expense of everyone else at the table. Which happens. Yeah, well, yeah. that's the opposite side. We had that's where HR get has to get that. rid of them. <laughs> and that happens. We've had occasionally had those people and had mm-hmm. to find a way to oust them from our midst. You know, if, if, if somebody is ruining everybody else's good time, it is your responsibility, whether you're the game master or not, to try to shine a light on it because mm-hmm. either it needs to be addressed, either you need to get that person to change what they're doing or you need to get that person to go game somewhere else. Unless the game master's the problem, in which case, find a different game. Yeah, and that's always <laughs> an option. And if, in fact, if that problem can't be addressed, you can always address it by leaving that game, too. Exactly. And that's the nice thing about today's era of gaming, is that unless you are likely, unless you are in a small town where there aren't a lot of options, there's other gaming groups around. And there's you know, still play-by-post play in the world. That's well, it's play-by-email now. That's you don't weird, have to actually though. mail stuff. I, I've seen a lot of uh, forum games, too, play-by-post play, and play forum. Play-by-text is felt, so weird. You know, it's always felt more like writing exercises to me than <laughs> yes. gaming. Yes, they do. And because the good ones are. But because the good ones are people that are good at writing and painting a scene and, and helping build, you know, motion, movement forward it, with their character. I got to build a religion on one of those because I was the priest. Nice. That's, That's true. I got to do that in one of his games. My evolving role play system is more of a writing exercise. I'm definitely going to put the word improv into whatever I end up titling it when it comes out the other end. For the one that I've been in a few times? Yes. I love that game. So you're still digesting? Has it come out the other end yet? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just putting uh, it in perspective for you, me, sir. Let me take some Docolax and get this thing written up for you then. Please. Oh, my. Now publish this shit. Let's get on it. 
I've already given copies Prismatic to people who have been in my publishing. games. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I was just curious. That's, I think that's... Um, Big really Trouble in Little China is how I got into gaming. That's <laughs> so good. Best origin story I've heard yet. And we have got to get that on Exposition Street. I, I so, Dragon, come to did. streaming. Oh, no, we didn't. I got the oh, legendary no, game of that game. Oh, that's what we didn't. Act, and then I watched the movie on my own. I got you. That's because it's on Roku TV for streaming, and I don't know who all has access to that. I do. Um, I we'll, have to, I, we'll have to check on that. Yeah. I don't, but I'm willing to buy the movie. Like, it's, <laughs> it's also $40 to buy a new Roku. The problem is... It's still cheaper to buy the movie. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've you, got... You, I, I, I buy the Roku, you get all the movies. I don't need the Roku. I've got other ways to watch everything I else. I might have except a copy the of the channel. DVD also, so let me look. I was lucky someone in our household has access to Apple TV so I could watch Foundation. That's been really cool. You guys don't know what I'm talking about. I have access I to Apple TV. I know Foundation goes on good. before the blush. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Uh, dragons. So... <laughs> Boy, did we get off topic. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Not on the show. Of course uh, not. So uh, there was a point at which I realized that I wanted Dragon Encounter as a game master. I wanted Dragon Encounters to be memorable in almost every situation. They should. I wanted Dragons to matter as a, not, not just as kind of like an apex sort of monster, but as a symbol of the game. And this doesn't, this isn't unique to D&D. It's definitely prominent in D&D because, you know, it's in the, literally in the name. But other games and even other genres, you can evolve the concept. And the dragon as a concept actually is almost more nebulous to me because its origins mythologically are kind of nebulous anyway. You know, it's easy to define a dragon as some sort of great and scary creature that is that holds some sort of sway or some sort of power over you and yours in or some fashion. an ancient Aes Sedai who broke the world. <laughs> That's another kind of dragon. November 19th. Oh, my it was God. Prime. Need to get yes. further in that book. Guys. I still Good remember. Good idea. That book. Listen to you. There's like I, 13 I, uh, after I know. that, by the way. I'm on the first Plus one, though. One of, yeah. uh, one of our high school friends was trying to get our group to play Shadowrun, and he just could not get us interested. Oh, God. Shadowrun's until so Until he told us about Shadowrun's dragons, which was enough to hook my interest, and then I dragged everyone else into it with me. Shadowrun dragons are definitely interesting. I yes. didn't get that far. I don't know how much a role they'd have to have in the game, though, typically speaking. They're they usually have a lot behind, of role in the yeah, game, they're actually. usually behind-the-scene manipulators and Right, I just mean that in terms of what you deal with, if your you, characters deal with. If you, know. you actually are dealing with dragons directly, it's usually from a position of subservience and deep, deep respect, unless your characters are so well-established that they have the kind of hardware and firepower to take on what almost amounts to an elder god. In the short-form Shadowrun <laughs> game that I ran... My players had to steal an egg from a vault of a dragon. <laughs> now that was the one of the last things that they did before that short form thing closed. But if it had been able to run longer, the dragon would have found out it was them, and they would have had a bad day. <laughs> I bet wow! Would did have. you write that one? But, no. But at least it wouldn't have been a long day. It, I would have had to write the, the day. We've gone early. further, but I I did the pre written stuff, and then everyone's interest kind of faded because half the characters died in the actual finale because they did stupid <laughs> things. <laughs> But I mostly brought it up because that was the source for me of my respect and admiration and reverence for dragons as movers and shakers in a game. Yeah, they are corporate overlords. That was where I first ran into dragons in role-playing gaming was in Shadowrun. Interesting. 
I I don't think I've really used them many other places, even though I say that. I mean, I definitely, I like uh, the role they had, they had like riffs. Remember when we played riffs? Oh, yeah. You know, the dragons were interesting. But you could play one. Yeah, they so, were mega you know, damage creatures. Say rift um, sounds cool. It also sounds horribly tedious in rules. Uh, it's really unbalanced. They uh, There are much mm, friendlier versions of it available now. Savage riffs. I'll, yes. I'll Which I would up. have if it didn't cost so much. Right. It I'll, did. Ouch, I'll stick with mashed potatoes because I don't need that much crunch in my life. I, well, <laughs> um, well you, know, you could play GURPS. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's other options. <laughs> I'm not playing anything with half skill points ever again. Oh, man. Half skill half points? Skill. Yeah, you can level when, up a when half I a played skill point. GURPS, there was a point where. You, Get something mm. brought up, you pay a half a point, so you had to put a half point somewhere else in order to spend all your player points. But that wasn't Ew. really that different from uh, the 3.5 proficiency and non-proficiencies, where you had to spend half a point, or you had to spend two points to level up a... I didn't I'm okay love that, with that either. because that's whole numbers at least. But if you only spent one, you got half a point. Um, I don't think you could, could you? Yeah. Oh, could you get a half a point? You, you, yeah, you could just do that. You Are you sure that wasn't a house rule? Because we've never had that I as a thing in my 3.5 campaign. I think you can't spend can't. the two points. I don't think my spreadsheet would let me do it without, yeah. Um, you know what? I think I remember what you're talking about because the software we were using for character creation will let but us do that. that. It yeah, was the official could, software. If you only had one point left over, you could spend it on a non-proficiency, but you didn't gain any benefit until you got another point later to bring it up to a full point. Oh, okay. We've just never on done that in my cross-class skill. Cross-class, yeah. You were essentially assigning allocating a, a future point but it didn't do anything until right. the whole point was kind of the same thing right Where, with what you're talking about GURPS no in GURPS that was actually the, the usable level and at that point you had it very easy or whatever it was oh weird well I, I want to say GURPS was you know never the most finely tuned of systems just throwing that out there and my friends played it constantly. I mean it was better than Champions I've never played GURPS <laughs> which is which is part of the Speaking reason why which, I went to find played a dragon to play with Champions I ran a dragon. I ran a dragon in, in a, not champions, in hero, though. Fantasy hero. The fantasy game, though. Mm-hmm. So in the talisman game I ran, there was a, there was a dragon. Was I Does Numenera have dragons? I don't, uh, I don't think so. I mean, Numenera is really not, I mean, it's... It's not really fantasy. Yeah. And the creatures they have in it are pretty much completely unique. You could still make something dragon I mean, You could make anything, yeah. I mean, the Strange would have dragons. I mean, you can put dragons in The Strange could do anything. Arden is a fantasy realm. It would have dragons. Uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, I mean, so there's definitely other applications of it. I think the concept is pretty mobile in terms of how it can be applied. But in fantasy, obviously, it's not just a staple. It's it's a it's a you know tentpole of the of the genre, part of the bedrock. And I feel like that has really kind of influenced uh, the the kind of the zeitgeist of the dragon concept and how why it's still important. I mean, there will go there will go uh, months at least, maybe even years when I won't even use one in the game, right? Because I do not pepper my games with dragons because you make something common and it takes away some of that special quality. Exactly. Definitely. You know? And I, I feel that way about a lot of things in, in fantasy. I'm not a super high fantasy fan as we know because I don't I, I don't like to create a lot of worlds that are really high magic because I like the the uniqueness and specialness of magic and I don't like to make it common so that it becomes mundane. Yeah. I've just created a world where all the towns have their own dragons that are in charge of them. 
So you're obviously taking a slightly oh, different tack on this. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, but I, I feel like they, I mean, that's the other thing is they could have very special pivotal roles in a, in an ecology or even in a society, depending on what you do with them. You know, it's, it's not uncommon to see that written into good, good adventures or good world building, but you know, you know like I said, I just I just want them to remain special. However, as I use them, I want to remain special. They should. So. They should. And in my opinion, they always should. But dungeons should also be special, and they're usually running to the ground, too. So um, one of the things that brought this on was the recent release of Fizzband's, uh, what's it called, Fizzband's? Treasury of Dragons. Treasury of Dragons. Uh, Ooh, for I am going to have to get a D&D book. Which is fantastic, and it has a lot of great lore and description and stats and material on dragons. A lot of expanding the standard and creating, you know, including a lot more, and then a lot of dragon-related things, including some new character options and stuff. But the 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 really cool thing is that it is another example of how this particular uh, construct has captured and and maintained itself in our imagination regarding D and D. How much it, how, how important it remains because every time they have an edition of this game that releases a dragon book. I am just thrilled. I am just tickled. I I loved the uh, it, in third edition they had the Draconomicon. Uh, I think yeah, beautiful book and just a lot of information, a lot most of it about the dragons that were already in the game. I mean the the chromatic and, and metallic dragons that were standards in the game, and just expanded them and, and built onto it and added a bunch of lore and added a bunch of information about their society and their you know their 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 habits. This one has a lot of stuff about lairs and. Um, uh, the things that tie into kind of their their place in the setting, their place in the world, which as has well a lot to do with them, their hordes. Really cool new ideas like magic items that charge up by sitting in a dragon's hoard for a century, mm-hmm. or sets what? of magic <laughs> items that are related that'll be in different hordes. Mm-hmm. A dragon who has like special items like that, like with things that are linked or, or you know that that belong together. Mm-hmm. Will sometimes put them in different hordes that they have cash in different places to because it helps tie their hordes together tie their hordes and keep together. Them united. Yeah, but I've had some you know play with dragons lately and this has been kind of on my mind because uh, I love seeing how people respond to them and deal with them. My current uh, campaign on Monday nights, for example, uh, who our friends Joe and Alicia game with with Jonica and uh, Nira, are, I, I had a dragon encounter recently that was, I've had a couple dragon encounters. Thinking. One was a, a shadow dragon. They were in like the world, the realm of the dead. So I used a shadow dragon. It was pretty cool. But they didn't have to fight it to, it's, to death or anything. They just, they had to get past it, basically. It was an obstacle. So they had to fight it some, but then escape. And they had to trick it, which was neat. I mean, they did trick it, rather. Uh, that's how they got they got through it. But because, uh, again, you know, they're a really, they had a lot of role-playing potential in terms of how you use them because they're intelligent, potent, unique creatures. And then recently they dealt with a, a white dragon, which was the first because they, they were getting that level, like fourth, fifth level, where they could handle an adult white dragon if they're really clever. But they handled this. I had this this map of this bridge with like a big dragon skeleton in the pit underneath it in the chasm. It was icy icy chasm. Like, this is perfect. They have a white dragon to fight here, you know, and uh, its lair was underneath the bridge back out of the way somewhere where you couldn't <laughs> see it from the top. Nice. You know, some wow. cave cut into the into the hills. And so this thing comes up onto the bridge, and I get one of these. I love presentation scenes. I like to start an encounter with something really dramatic when I can, and a dragon should never not be really dramatic when Definitely. you can. And so it came on the scene by climbing onto over the side of the bridge. So I got that moment when they're getting out on the bridge and the claw comes over, right? And grabs onto the stonework, some of which crumbles as it, you know, as it's coming up, and then the other one and part of the scaly arm and just climbing up there and very cool. You know, like all it. the the frost just kind of spreading from where it touches. You know, all those touches that make a, a dragon fun to add that level of mystique and flavor. And I mean, it damn near wiped the floor with them. 
And they right. managed to get it down to like, it started at like 200 hit points and they got it down to like 40, 30, 30 some odd hit points. Nice. And it was like, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. You know, which <laughs> dragons are also smart. They don't want to die. They are. they are. So the dragon takes off, heads back to its lair. They decide, okay, we need to follow it to its lair because it turns out they need a thing from the dragon's possessions. So we need to follow it to its lair. Let's take a short rest. Guess what? <laughs> the dragon also gets a short rest. Dragon also gets a short rest. Did you know that monsters have hit dice? Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that they can roll them as part of a short rest to regain yeah. hit points? Um, I bet it did, too. It did, and it. I rolled the dice on the table, and Gabe was standing behind me looking at the dice, and his eyes got huge. It, it regained almost every hit point it had lost. Oh, no! Oh, my. Uh, the, the only thing that worked to their advantage is the dragon wasn't actually expecting them to come after it at that point, so they managed to get the drop on it. And uh, in its lair, which it had some extra cool stuff going on because it was in its lair, so it had some lair powers and stuff. But it was it was a fun battle, and like the first encounter with the dragon, a lot of uh, one of the things I like about fifth edition is the battles are faster than like third, Much. definitely. But still, the dragon encounter took a good two hours. The first dragon encounter, the second one after they went after it and stuff, probably about the same. It was a heavy encounter. Yeah, I think our Tuesday dragon encounter took two sessions. Yeah, th- those were in different sessions. They ended a session after one, took a short rest, yeah. started the next session going after it. Although, I just want to say, I now want to create a weird adventure where they keep hearing rumors of a white dragon and and let it make it very easy for them to pick up all the frost gear they want and everything. And then they go in there and they find out it's an undead white dragon. <laughs> <laughs> you just mean... I, I am a dragon white. I am never going to be able to trust you running things. Got no, you. you. Really can't. No, no. <laughs> I actually had a uh, a section of one of the campaigns I ran where the party geared up and went hunting for a dragon and uh, ended up uh, that it was being impersonated by the permanent animated awakened breath weapon that it had left behind when it went extra planar. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! That's awesome. <laughs> so that was fun. Wow. So they thought they were going after a dragon. Yeah, instead they just fought its breath for half an hour and then finally retreated. Good call. I've had dates like that. <laughs> right? Mints. Uh, so the uh, the neat thing about that with the white dragon was they, they went into its lair to fight it, so I got to use some of the lair powers. And a lot of, a lot of character with the lair, mm-hmm. right? Because you got this icy cavern with chunks of ice falling and you know have the columns the icy columns and stuff that dragon would fly in with they'd hit the dragon in midair and it'd fly into a column which would shatter all over the place and all that shit it was great recently we had the encounter in the tuesday night game which you're all in yeah with the black dragon and it's yeah and it was was so fun you guys were fairly low level so you're like uh third level at the time fourth level at the time and you never i i want to point this out you never pointed you never directly i believe said it was a black dragon the only reason I'm calling it a black dragon now is because it had acid everywhere. Yes, and it was. It was a black dragon. Um, yeah. This is the first time you've confirmed to me it's a black dragon. And this was a... <laughs> Most uh, of us never actually saw it other than its head. There's a, a black dragon in the lowest cavern, and the uh, dragon lives on an island. It layers on an island where it keeps its hoard in an underground lake. And I looked at this and went, this is too good. This makes sense, right? And I was reading the description, and the, and the tactic was right there. I mean, they just they just laid it out, and I'm like, this is actually very well thought out. It's also exceedingly dangerous. So this was already a dangerous creature, and now we gave it the ability to hide in the water because it could breathe underwater and pop out, fire its breath weapon at party members. Often only one because they learn pretty quick not to Bean line weapon. up. You know, one you know, fire a party member, go back down, 
And every round you roll to see if that thing recharges, right? So on the round that it doesn't recharge, it doesn't have to come up if it doesn't want to. So just move on to the next round. Oh, we got a recharge. Let's pop up, fire off the breath weapon again. You didn't care what you guys were doing above the water the whole time. You're just repositioning or something. And most of the time we had attacks readied. You, yeah. And Every that, time we had attacks ready. But that was the other problem is you couldn't see what it was doing underwater. So you'd have attacks ready, but then you'd have to be able to track where it was coming up, yeah, which was also a challenge. Some would actually get a chance to use them. And some of them would be close. Some of you'd be close, and some I you would I had high rage. <laughs> That's yeah, true. yeah, warlocks. <laughs> it was a dangerous opponent. It was a tough fight. Hey, you guys did great. You guys did really good. Someone finally managed to get it to break its tactical uh, maneuvering by getting too close to its horde. Right, which made sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a point at which you're gonna. There's a point at which you, the dragon, are going to consider a new dynamic in your threat level assessment. This is something that you have to consider at this point. Um, they're getting close to the gold. That was it. Was fun though. You guys did great. I I did really. The only thing it kind of messed with me a little bit is that because it spent its time underwater and then popping up to attack and shit. I didn't. I, I didn't talk. It didn't say anything or role play per se until yeah. well into the battle. Once it was above water long enough to part you know, to have any kind of engagement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of like, oh, now we're just fighting a monster, a clever, you know, but it's still, you know, a, a very, a very cunning monster that knows how to use its environment to its best advantage. Makes any battle more interesting anyway. And you, and, I mean, doesn't take a dragon to do that. Obviously, just in the particular case of creatures like this, they are smart. You reminded you me of whack a mole. Uh, that was not the point, but okay. I'm glad we it, have that'll work for you. Your dragon encounter to a game of whack a mole. A little bit. I the mean, problem it was, was the problem was when the mole popped up, it then breathed acid at you from somewhere yeah, in the middle. This of the is not an upgrade. I really appreciated the arcade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Oh, Great. Quarter. Where's my Phantom Max? Another quarter. Uh, it was. <laughs> it was fun. Uh, but I mean that's that's just kind of an example. I like I like uh, dragon encounters to be interesting and dynamic. It was um, definitely an interesting encounter. Yeah, and I I admit there have been in the course of my gaming career dragons that don't stick in my memory as much. The encounters weren't as interesting. You know, you're in a position where you really are just using them as a monster or an obstacle or something, and you kind of want the party to get past this or whatever. Oh my, we uh we have a funny anecdote to share real quick. There was a massive battle going on, like two armies, and a ancient red dragon suddenly takes the field, and his frightful presence extends mm-hmm. over pretty much the entire battlefield. There is one apprentice mage on the other team's side who rolls a natural 20 on his save. I just throw a bunch of dice and assigned who got what. And so this one mage, while everyone else is staring in awe and horror and the battle slowly drains to a stop, in the almost dead silence that suddenly ensues, the single magic, magic missile <laughs> goes floating up and slams into the dragon, and the dragon just stops, and everyone stops, and the dragon goes, Magic fucking missile! <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, this became an iconic memory for the group, because three or four years later, they still laugh about magic fucking missile. <laughs> That's awesome. One of my campaigns... The dragons were a kind of a uh, principal NPCs in the background of things, and they were kind of like iconic members of their race. They were they were, they were part of some ancient pact, and they had a tendency to take human form and or or humanoid you know mm. form 
And uh, I did things like I always made their eyes and their hair match the color of their scales. Oh, that's cool. Um, and yeah. Which was just fun. And they, and they didn't know this. The first time they met one of these, they met the Red, who is, of course, the most powerful of them, as a dude. And I made sure and I described him in a way, without them knowing that he was a dragon, of course, that just terrified everybody. There was something about his manner. And the way to do that, as a, a tip for you game masters that might be looking for things like this, was to have NPCs that do know what he is, or at least have a reason to be scared of him when he shows up, react in a manner appropriate, and accuse the PCs that there's something going on they're not seeing. Because all they're doing is seeing some redhead show up on the scene who does not look as dangerous as he obviously is. And he was terrifying. You see a gentleman approaching with plaid hair. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I don't have time for apathy today. (laughs) Eh, I don't give a shit. Her name was Zelda. I'm out. Um, I have the plaid breath. It's despair. I'm done. <laughs> the The game also had um, other encounters with dragons. I remember there was one where somebody was. They were trying to. Somebody was trying to distract the dragons so the rest of the party get away. And they have some spell that would allow them to. I don't. This is like second edition. I don't remember what the spells were. Has a spell that allowed them to, uh, to like change the color of a thing. And so you asked if we could change the scales of the dragon a different color, you know, to mess with it, right? Whatever. It, it didn't even really notice. But they changed, they, the, the dragon failed at save on or whatever. It, 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 you know, big deal, whatever. They're, they're, they, everybody else is fleeing. So the dragon has to follow them through this narrow defile and it's too, too small for the dragon. So he changes into his human form. Comes out the, uh, comes, is coming down the other side and at some point they hear, they're like, did we lose him? And they hear echoing back through the cavern, purple fucking hair! <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. That, that reminded me of that. that. Yeah. Good stuff. I was in that game. But uh, that was one of those that was fun because every time they met and dealt with one of the dragons who could change, you know, it changed the dynamic because they're interacting with them as more of a person. And there was still that gravity to them, to whatever they did, even the weakest amongst them. Yeah. And so it was, um, it was a really challenging and interesting way to set up those encounters and, and make them very uh, dynamic for the party. You know, and everything else depends on your players, obviously. You know, I've I've been lucky over the years that I've had a lot of really intense players who focus a lot on the scene, you know, really get into the moment. And that, that kind of bears through. But I would love to hear good stories about dragons. That's actually, you know, obviously something that, that really, get, you know, really makes me happy. It really makes me happy. Um, we I do like our dragons. If you have uh, stories to share, definitely feel free. Feedback at prismatictsunami.com. And, That's uh, feedback at prismaticsunami.com. Or drop on the uh, Discord server. And or asamtees.shop. I no, don't know how you're going to tell the story. Talk but... about dragons there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they have dragon tea, right? We need to. We need to make some, uh, blend some some teas for the dragons. Dragon I think blend. it's it's about time, right? I understand dragons like oolong. <laughs> some of them, yeah. We do have some. We have like Lucky Dragon Heisen. Yeah, I, I, was say, I thought you had a dragon tea. You're right. I forgot about that. Uh, it's a green. I feel like green tea. But, you know, that's... Or green that's, dragons. That's like oriental dragons. Oriental. That's a, that's a word, right? For dragons, it is, yeah. Lung. But it, it was, I think. They, it's an eastern dragon. Yeah. Well, it, when I, it, now it's a word that we don't use, right? Yeah. But it used to be, uh, for a while, I know it was, you don't call the people that. That's rude and inappropriate. But the things you call that. Yeah. So like a furniture, you know. 
So you can have or oriental, oriental, oriental ornamental style, right? But uh, I, I think that the idea of of grouping the orient into one construct is now yeah not is is now not favorable because so. you're lumping societies, Fair. right? And so that makes a lot of sense. But anyway, that that style of dragon, the the eastern dragons, is a very different type of thing mythologically. Oh, yeah. Is a very different type of thing in their their lore. And uh, is a very different type of thing usually when it's used in, in games. Well, and it has ties uh, to uh, some of their religion. Yeah, which well, everything makes it a lot more. Everything does in Eastern philosophy. They're, they are religions. But that makes it a lot more. Uh, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? Sacred? Is that the word I'm looking That's for? That's a good one. Yeah, it works. One? So, I mean, but their roles and stories are consequentially kind of different too. More of like their guides or their, you know, they have wisdom or they're yeah, not they're, you know, they're 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 monsters to be fought. So, uh, kind of like elemental spirits and such. They're not monsters. I like uh, in Ryotama, the which is a role playing game that focuses a lot on the journey you play. In Ryotama, you play like the nobodies. You're not playing like the high adventurers. You play the baker. You know, you play, <laughs> you, you play the. Is that the, the one that I tried at the Spring Fair? I don't know. You might have. Uh, I know that uh, one of our I, one of our group, Tad or somebody, has run it before. I think. Yes, I did because Tad ran it. And the I dragons. Think Richard was in it too, actually. The dragons in that setting Possible. are they are are these kind of like they they watch the world and they they collect the stories that everybody yeah 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 that's undertakes. definitely what I tried because so they're bards uh, no they but they do it from a like a behind the scenes kind of way they're not, Tad, not part of the world they were so the, less they rapey. were the game master was the dragon that was writing <laughs> the story less rapey than the bards thank you <laughs> I needed that image yeah yeah good and we call. could beseech them for different things. I, that's all I have. I I want to go ahead and uh, mention real quick. I'm not looking to promote it specifically, and I, I and I didn't during the Kickstarter. We had other things to worry about anyway. But the the level up Kickstarter for Ian Publishing recently ended, and uh, some of us bought into that. So we might talk about that a little bit coming up if um, if people are curious because I think we're going to try it. It's definitely it's what it is. Is they call it kind of advanced fifth edition. Yeah, it's kind of a different take on the fifth edition rules that replaces and it and advances some things, but it's all modular too. Right, we could kind of use what we like and not use what we don't, and it'll work just fine. I downloaded it. I haven't had a chance to look at the the early. Yeah, release. I, I just looked at some of the uh, the class section and equipment section in the in the adventurer's guide, but there were three books in the. You know, one that's kind of a game master's guide because it's got a lot of like information that DMs can use to run more interesting games. They call them narrators, of course, and level up because you can't use DM. But uh, then the uh, third book was a monster book. So I haven't got a chance to look at either of those yet. But I'm I'm super excited about getting into it. I I I really do enjoy fifth edition D and D, and I know a lot of people don't. Opinions really do vary on that. But I we've been playing the game pretty much as is for. Years now, you know, and about the time that I was really seriously thinking, because I do like to play a game rules as written for a while to get a feel for it as it is before I start homebrewing anything. And as I'd played it for a while, I didn't really feel a strong need to. You know, there are things that I could do different, but most of the things that I could do different, I would kind of mention to players and they go, why do you want to make it more complicated? And so that's what I realized I wanted to avoid. And I feel like Level Up has done a good job in my estimation so far of making the rules more dynamic and providing more interesting options without making them more complicated. Because that's really what 5th edition does have going for it. Definitely. So um, I'm curious to see how that plays out. I'm looking forward to playing that. I don't know if we want to adapt an existing game for that or if we want to try something new from the start. Because either I think would be an option, interestingly enough. 
but uh, or if we want to immediately start adopting some of the stuff into our regular gaming regardless. But one of the things that's kind of held us up is the that we use D&D Beyond now for everything for D&D. <laughs> it's so easy. And we have all the rules right there, you know, available to integrate with our character sheets and everything else right there on D&D Beyond. So we're going to have to make the decision about how much we want to explore something new knowing we don't have those tools right. at our disposal. But I think I'm ready to make that shift. I think I'm ready to try it, particularly since these we got them in PDFs already. The instant the Kickstarter ended, that's one thing in publishing does I like. They finish a Kickstarter, bam, you get the material. And like the minute it was over, everybody's PDFs showed up. And a few hours later, they're already sending out a thing going, yes, we know about this. Yes, we know about this. Yes, yes this table will get fixed. Yeah. Yes, we know about this. But that's the other nice thing about PDF is it's kind of a living document, and that way they can update, change things, you download the updated versions. Nice. So it works out well. And uh, that, that gives them time to make sure all that stuff is sorted before they print the hardcovers, too. Yeah. That people and that buy. one is a drive through Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so I mean, I assume, consequentially, I don't know if it's live on drive through for people that don't have the I don't Kickstarter code is. yet. I wouldn't imagine. But it obviously is going to be because that's the way they distributed, which they do with most of this stuff. So uh, keep an eye out for that. The level up is what it's called. The Advanced Player's Guide is the... I think an advanced player's guide, adventure, adventure's guide. We got adventure's guide is the uh, um, like the player the main, main kind of rule book, core book, if you will. So something to check out. I'm uh, gonna go ahead and get on out of here. We got uh, other things to do and uh, games to play and uh, plans to plan Ooh, dragons <laughs> to execute. Play. Maybe we could run my system where I get to kill everybody. That could be fun. Uh, so thank, thank you very you much for joining it. us. We're going to go out of here for today. Uh, we're going to be, yeah, we're going to be back um, next week, I hope. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, again. maybe. Thank you for joining us for, uh, I don't have an episode number. That's messing me up. Well, I'll look it I, I can look it up. I just, I'm lazy. I mean, I'd have to get on my phone, go to the page. Insert episode. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, <laughs> Metagamers on us. My name is Eric. I'm Rich. I'm Vanessa. And I'm the kid. Good night, everybody. Good night.